Today we're going to start our Family Circus series. And how many of you know that that is a pretty good description for most families? <laughs> that it is truly a circus. And here's, here's what I want to talk to you about today as we begin this series. And this series will continue throughout the entire month of October. But I'm going to begin this series today by asking a question, and that is, who is the ringmaster of your three-ring circle? Could I get those rings that I brought in today better known as hula hoops? And no, you are not going to see Pastor Hula Hoop today. Somebody asked me, they said, Pastor, are you going to actually hula hoop today? And I said, absolutely not. That's not something that this church wants to see. You might never, I got an amen over here. You might never come back again if you saw that. But I think all of us know what a three-ring circus is. If you've ever been to a circus, how many of you have ever been to a circus before? Well, at a circus, sometimes you have more than one act or more than one event that's going on at the same time. And when you have three different events going on at the same time, that's called or referred to as a three-ring circus. And sometimes when you are there at a three-ring circus, it can seem a little bit chaotic. It can seem a little bit disconnected. It can even be engrossing and entertaining sometimes. And so what you have to have when you are at a three-ring circus, what you have to have is you have to have a ringmaster. Because the ringmaster is the one who gives instruction. The ringmaster is the one who makes sense out of the chaos. He brings order or she brings order out of the chaos. They are the ones that kind of guide us through this three-ring circus to help us make sense of it all. And when I begin to think about the family, I think that the family many times, maybe you feel this way about your family, is that the family is a three-ring circus. I mean, you got dad over here, you know, he's kind of doing his thing. He's, he's got a balancing act where he's trying to balance his time and he's trying to balance his schedule. He's trying to balance everything in his life. And, and, and then you got the juggler, that would be mom, you know, just trying to keep all of these things flying at one time and then you've got another act going on in the three ring circus and that's the untamed lions right the kids that need a lion tamer somebody to train them and somebody to tame them but if you're just on the outside looking in at a lot of families you would probably see what would seem like chaos because you got dad over here doing his thing, you got mom over here doing her thing, you got the kids over here doing their thing. And so, what we all need is we need a ringmaster in our families. And so, today I want to ask you that question Who is the ringmaster of your three ring circus? It's really just another way of asking this question Who is the Lord over your family? Who is the Lord over your life? Who is the Lord over your marriage? Now, I know what some of you are thinking, and I want to be very, very clear about this at the very beginning of the message today. 
Because some of you, when I say, have you declared Jesus as Lord, some of you would probably respond like this. Yes, I asked Jesus to forgive me of my sins, and I was born again, saved a long time ago. I'm not talking about declaring Jesus as your Savior. I'm talking about declaring him as the Lord of your life, as the Lord of your marriage, as the Lord of your family. Listen to what Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. He said, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All glory to him both now and forever. Amen. So notice, he said that we are to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Did you know that Jesus didn't die to just be your Savior? Matter of fact, that's primarily not the reason that he died, is just to be your Savior. Listen to what Paul tells us in Romans 14 and 9, that Christ died and rose again for this very purpose, to be Lord of both the living and of the dead. So he didn't die and rise again just to be your Savior. He died and was raised again to be your Lord. And then listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, speaking about our salvation. He said, if you declare with your mouth, what? Jesus is Lord. Not Jesus is Savior. Yes, he is Savior. But if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now you say, well, pastor, what's the difference between calling God Savior or calling Jesus Savior or recognizing him as Lord? Well, here's the difference. When you refer to him as Savior, you're referring to a one-time event in your life. When you ask him to forgive you of your sins and you became a believer. It's a one-time decision, but when you crown him Lord, it's a lifetime decision. It's something that you have to do every single day of your life. Let me show you what that lordship looks like in Luke chapter 9 verse 23. Because there were a couple of Jesus' disciples who had come to him saying, Lord, in your kingdom... One of us wants to sit at your right hand and one at your left. And Jesus responds to them and says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross when? Daily. Take up your cross daily and follow me. This is what lordship looks like. You see, when when we talk about Jesus as Savior, we're talking about being forgiven of our sins. But when we talk about Jesus as Lord, we're talking about the fact that we are no longer the king of our domain. Jesus is now the king of our domain. When you talk about Jesus as Lord, Jesus as Lord, as I said, is a one-time decision. But when you're, Jesus as Savior is a one-time decision. But when we talk about Jesus as Lord, you have to, when you declare him as Lord, when you make him Lord of your life, you then have to reorient everything in your life around the fact that Jesus is now Lord of your domain. When we talk about Him as Savior, forgiveness of sins, that impacts me. 
But when I talk about him as Jesus as Lord, it doesn't just impact me. It also impacts everyone around me. And so I ask you this morning, who is the ring master of your three ring circus? Who is the Lord of your life? Who is the Lord of your marriage? Who is the Lord of your family? Who is the standard for your life, the standard for your marriage, the standard for your family? Who is the one who calls the shots in your life, calls the shots in your marriage, calls the shots in your family? Who's the boss over your life, your family, and your marriage? Jesus said, if you're going to be my disciple, you've got to deny yourself. Those selfish desires that are contrary to God's will for your life. Sin that is contrary to God's will for your life. You've got to deny yourself the desires of the flesh that are displeasing to God. And he said not only deny yourself, but then you've got to take up your cross. That means you've got to be willing to suffer. Somebody say amen if you're married in this house this morning. Because how many of you know sometimes... It involves suffering. Sometimes raising kids involves suffering. And being a follower of Jesus Christ sometimes involves suffering, even to the point that we have to be willing to die. And he said that we deny ourselves, we take up our cross daily, and then do what? Follow him. So who are you following? Who are you following as it relates to your marriage? Who are you following as it relates to your family? Now you're saying, Pastor, why is this so important that you're spending the first 10 minutes of your sermon talking about how that we need to declare Jesus as Lord over our lives, our marriage, and our family? I want to tell you why. Because you will never have the family that God intends for you to have until you have submitted your family to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Listen to what the Apostle Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 5. Now listen, what I'm going to talk to you about this morning is not politically correct. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you now. What I'm going to talk to you about this morning, the feminists don't like what I'm going to talk to you about this morning. And the chauvinist doesn't like what I'm going to talk to you about this morning. But I've been your pastor now for three years, and if you don't know it now, hopefully you will know it after today, that I don't give a flip about being politically correct. I really don't. I don't give a flip about being politically correct. I don't care what culture believes. All I care about is what does God's word say as it relates to our lives, as it relates to our marriages, as it relates to our families. And you understand this is not pastor's words that I'm giving you today. I am only a conduit. I'm only a vessel. I'm only the messenger. So, hey, don't shoot the messenger. Look at your neighbor and say, don't shoot the messenger. Listen to what Paul said. He said, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but notice what he says. He said, understand what the Lord wants you to do. Now, how many of you know if we've submitted to the Lordship of Christ, we want to know what the Lord wants us to do, and then we're going to obey and do what the Lord wants us to do. And so what is it that the Lord wants us to do? Don't be drunk with wine Because that will ruin your life. Can I get an amen right there? 
Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, here's what Jesus wants for your life and for my life. He says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because if our marriage is going to be what God wants it to be, and if our family is going to be what God wants the family to be, then we have got to be submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Because there is no way you can do what we're going to talk about in this room here today without being submitted to the Lordship of Christ and being filled and led and empowered by the Holy Spirit. You just will not be able to do it. And so he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14, verse 19, here's what Jesus said. He said that when the Holy Spirit comes, that his primary purpose is going to be to glorify Christ. So everything that the Holy Spirit enables and encourages us to do, everything in our marriage, everything in our family, he does it to bring glory to Christ. That's the reason that we need the Holy Spirit is because when the Holy Spirit works in us and through us, He works to bring glory to Christ. He wants you to have a marriage that brings glory to Christ. He wants you to have a family that brings glory to Christ. So much so that He says, I'm going to give you the power to be able to do this. And so He said, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then He shows us what the effects of being filled with the Holy Spirit are. Now, we, we as Pentecostals, we're used to seeing the effects of the Holy Spirit as the gifts of the Spirit. And the gifts of the Spirit are very important. But there are other fruit, there are other effects, there are other manifestations of the Holy Spirit of God working in our lives. And He said that when you are filled with the Spirit, notice He said, you're going to start singing psalms and hymns and spirit spiritual songs among yourself. You're just going to go around singing, singing, singing. And not only that, making music to the Lord in your heart. Because the Holy Spirit, He wants to produce joy in your life. And that joy sometimes overflows into singing and into music. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And so He said, as a result of being filled with the Holy Spirit, you'll sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and make music to the Lord in your hearts. And then notice this, He said, and you will give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then look at verse 21. One, this is where I will not be politically correct this morning because the Word of God is not politically correct. But he said that when you are empowered by the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, and when you have submitted to the Lordship of Christ, he said the evidence of that is you will submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, I know that I'm walking where angels fear to tread talking about submission this morning, but look at your neighbor and say, he's going there anyway. Going there anyway. Because when we submit to one another, and I'm going to talk about what that looks like in the marriage and in the family this morning. Because when we submit to one another, we are following the example of Christ and what Christ did. Look at this passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 through 28. And, and actually, this is the passage where the disciples had come to Jesus, one wanting to be on the right hand and one on the left hand. And Jesus calls his disciples together and says to them, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people. 
And officials flaunt their authority over those under them. Anybody know anyone like that? And don't say, yes, I live with one. That's not the answer I'm looking for. But he goes on and says this in verse 26. He said, but among you, it will be different. Different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. You see, Jesus is teaching us here what submission looks like. And then he goes on to verse 28 and says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. We follow the example of Christ when it comes to submitting and serving one another. And then notice what it says in Philippians 2, 5 through 8, that we must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, and I know there may be some here this morning who think you're God, but you're not God. But he says, just in case you do think that you're God, notice what Jesus did. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. You better be thankful today that Jesus submitted to the mission and to the will of his Father because there would not be a means of salvation. There would not be a means of healing. There would not be a means of deliverance. We would all spend eternity in hell if Jesus had not obediently submitted to the will of his Father and came here and died a criminal's death on a cross so that you and I could live abundantly and eternally. Somebody ought to just thank Jesus for that right now. He humbled himself. And so Paul says it. He said, when you've submitted to the Lordship of Christ, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, one of the manifestations of that is, is that you submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, I know we love to go to this passage of Scripture when we talk about submission because, you know, especially the wives, because they seem to get picked on a lot when it comes to submission. And they always like to refer back to this passage of Scripture. Oh, but if you just go back to verse 21, you'll find out that that it's not just God saying that wives need to submit to their husbands, but that we need to submit to one another. And that's true. Absolutely, 100% true. But because... We fulfill different roles and have been appointed to different roles by God. Our submission to one another doesn't look the same. Now, I may be sharing some things with you this morning that you haven't heard before. But when we look at this passage of Scripture, and you'll see it clearly here in just a moment, that wives in this passage of Scripture, wives are compared to the church and the body of Christ, whereas husbands in this passage of Scripture are compared to Christ and the head. So husbands are referred to in this Scripture or compared to Christ and the head, and wives are compared to the church and the body of Christ. 
Now that's important because we're going to start where Paul started and we're going to give a word to wives this morning. And here's the word to wives. This is what submission looks like for the wife. The Bible says, for wives, this means submit to your husbands. And really a better translation you probably find in the New King James Version says, submit to your own husbands. That's important. Because ladies, you need to know that you've not been commanded to submit to every man. You have been commanded to submit to the one that God has given to you as an intimate possession. The one who belongs to you. You are to submit to your own husband. And he's the only one that God has called you to submit to in this way. And then notice what he says. He says, this means submit to your husbands. Look at this now. As to the Lord. In other words, when you submit to your husband, when you submit to his leadership, his headship, and I'm going to talk to you in a moment about what that looks like because I'm convinced that if every man in this room here today was the spiritual leader and the head that God had called us to be, our wives would not have any problem whatsoever submitting and following our leadership. And I thought I'd get a few more amens from ladies right there. You just missed your best opportunity this morning. But he says that when you submit to your husband, it is as though you're submitting to the Lord. And how you would submit to the Lord is how you would submit to your husband. And we go back to what Jesus said about following him. He said, you've got to deny yourself. You've got to take up your cross daily. Right, ladies? It's a daily thing. And men, don't say amen too much because this same scripture applies to us today as well. But that you are to deny yourself, you're to take up your cross daily, and you are to follow him. That's how you would submit to the Lord, and that's how you are to submit to your husband. And when you submit to your husband that way, it is as though you are speaking to the Lord. And understand, I need to throw this in real quick. When Paul gives us these words in Ephesians chapter 5 and a few verses in chapter 6, he's talking to Christians, he's talking to believers. No, the people of the world do not live this way. That's why you have the feminist movement. That's why you have the chauvinistic movement. That's why culture is so tainted. That's why culture is so messed up. They don't do things God's way. But we are not a part of the world. We are a part of the kingdom of God. And in the kingdom of God, things look differently. Things run differently. There's a different order and operation in the kingdom of God than there is in the world. Somebody help me preach this morning. And so he goes on to verse 24 and says, as the church submits to Christ, remember what I told you, that the wife here is compared to the church and to the body of Christ. And says that as the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. Except sin. Never has God commanded you to follow your husband's leadership into sin. And if a husband is being the husband that God's called him to be, he would never even think of leading his wife away from God and into sin. 
So he says that just as the church submits to Christ, we saw what that looks like, denying ourselves, taking up our cross daily, following him. That's the word to wives. I wish I had more time to expand on that today, but let's talk about the word that he gives us to husbands. Everybody got your seatbelt on today. Because husbands, if you want to be the head of your house, you need to know just what you're asking for. You need to know exactly what kind of a responsibility comes along with being the head of your house because being the head of your home doesn't mean that you demand that everybody in your house submit to you. It's not, a, it's not a submission that is demanded. All of the submission that he's talking about here is like we would submit to Christ. We don't submit to Christ because we've been demanded. We don't submit to Christ because he's a dictator over us, commanding, demanding us what to do. No, we willingly surrender to him. We willingly submit to him. And that's the way that submission has to be in the home. The wife willingly submitting to her husband. The husband willingly submitting to his wife. The children willingly submitting to their parents. And so to husbands here's what he says he says for a husband is the head remember the husband's compared to the head and to Christ the wife is compared to the church and the body and he said for a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church and notice what that looks like he Jesus is the savior of his body the church well gentlemen if we are the head if we represent Christ in our home and our our wives represent Represent the church and the body. If Jesus was the savior of the body, do you know what that makes you? That makes you the savior of your wife. Does that mean you can save her of her sins? No, absolutely not. That is not what it means. But what it means is, is that you're going to do everything that you possibly can to make sure that your wife is conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're going to make sure that your wife is, is, is the person that God created her to be and that she does not spend eternity in hell but that she spends eternity in heaven you are the savior of the body you are the savior of your wife and notice how that looks he said for husbands this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church I didn't make this stuff up this is the inspired word of God and he says husbands love your wives and may I say this, a better translation, love your own wives. Don't be loving somebody else's wife. Love your own wives. Just as Christ loved the church. Well, how did Christ love the church? Well, Paul tells us right here, he says, he gave up his life for her. Do you know how difficult that is? And you cannot do this. I've already told you. You cannot do this. None of us can do this unless we are submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and full of the Holy Spirit. It's the only way that we can live this kind of life. It's the only way we can have this kind of marriage. It's the only way we can have this kind of family. You cannot do this in your flesh. You cannot do this by yourself. It's only when you submit to the Lord and are filled with the Holy Spirit. And he said, love 
your wife as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. And then notice, why? To make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. Do you know why Jesus loved us so much that he gave his life for us as the church? Because he wanted to make us holy. He wanted to make us clean. He wanted us to be able to stand before God without fault. He wanted us to be able to stand before God knowing that our sins had been cleansed and our sins had been forgiven. And so Jesus said, I'm going to do everything Everything that I have to do to make sure that every son and daughter has the opportunity to be saved. That every son, that the price has been paid so that they can be saved from their sins and spend eternity with me in heaven and enjoy the life here on earth that I created them to enjoy. And he said, if you love your wife the way that Christ loved the church, you'll give yourself up for her so that she can be holy and she can be clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. And it says that he did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish instead she will be holy and without fault can I tell you I believe the best gift that you could get give God on the day of judgment is to be able to put your wife out in front of you and say look Lord look look what my wife is look she's so much like your son Jesus she's holy she's pure she is like the bride of Christ and what a gift that would be to be able to present to the Lord Lord, a wife that you, with the help of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, helped to become everything God created her to become. But he's not done yet. See, there's so many more verses of Scripture that deal with us guys than the ladies. Notice, he said, in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. Guys, let's admit it. We love us some us. We love me some me. That's why we take care of our bodies. That's why we feed our bodies. That's why we clothe our bodies. Notice he goes on and he says, A husband ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it just as Christ cares for the church and we are members of his body. You see, not only, husband, are you the protector of your wife, but you are also the provider for your wife. That you are to make sure she as the body, just as Christ makes sure that we as the body of Christ, that we are provided for, that we are cared for, that we are nurtured, that we have nourishment, that our needs are met. That's the primary responsibility of men. Men ask me all the time, Pastor, where do I belong in the home? I'll tell you where you belong in the home. You belong on your knees beside your wife praying with her. Where do you belong? You belong beside your kid's bedside, reading them the word of God, having devotion with them and praying with them. Where do you belong? You belong in the drive seat all right but the driver's seat of your car getting your wife and your children to church on a Sunday morning so they can encounter the presence of the living God where do you belong you belong getting up early in the morning if you have to to spend time with God so that you can get a clear vision of what God wants for your family what the vision and mission and purpose of your family is that's where we as men of God I'm not talking about men of the world I'm talking about men of God that's where we belong Somebody say amen to it. Amen. And then he ends this by saying, as the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. 
That's the beauty of marriage. It's not two. It's two who have been united into one. It's not a three-ring circus. It's the three that have come together as one. And he said, this is a great mystery. Absolutely it is. It's a great mystery. He's talking about marriage. And a mystery here is something that was a mystery in the Old Testament, but now it's being revealed in the New Testament. And he said, this is a mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. I keep telling us every Sunday when we go out into our community that we need to go and be light. Do you know how we as married couples can go into our community and be light? By putting forth in our community an example of what the relationship is like between Christ and his church and if we can put a good example in front of them and the way that we do that is through our marriage how we respect one another how we honor one another how we treat one another because if people who don't know the Lord if they look at us they say well I don't want anything if that's the way the church is if that's the way Jesus is if that's the way that relationship is I don't want any part of that but hear me this morning we have an opportunity through what God does through what the Holy Spirit does in our marriages to give this world a beautiful picture and a beautiful image and a beautiful illustration of what the relationship is like between Jesus and his body Jesus and his church and we do that with a marriage that's been submitted to the Lordship of Christ and empowered by the Holy Spirit which brings me, and stay with me here for just a few minutes. I got the service a little late this morning, so don't take any of my time away from me. But in Ephesians chapter 6, he gives a word to the children. I'm not going to leave you all out because you're commanded to submit to the Lordship of Christ and be filled with the Holy Spirit because you cannot do this without submitting to the Lordship of Christ and being filled and led by the Holy Spirit. But here's what he says to the kids. He said, children, obey your parents. <laughs> what better way to submit to your parents than to obey your parents? To do what your parents ask you to do. To do what your parents tell you to do. And listen again, not into sin. Because as a husband, we never lead our wives into sin. And as parents, we never, we never lead our, our, our families into sin. But he said, obey your parents. And he said, here's why. Because you belong to the Lord. If you do not obey your parents, and listen, all of us who still have parents, we're still kids. This is for us as well. But he says, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. If you don't obey your parents, you know what people are going to think? You don't belong to the Lord. Because if you belong to the Lord, this is what it looks like. He said, if you belong to the Lord, you obey your parents because, I don't care again what's politically correct. I don't care again what culture says. This is the right thing to do. And then he goes on and he says this, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. And what better way can we honor our parents than being obedient to our parents, than doing what our parents ask us to do? There is nothing more dishonoring to a parent than a rebellious child. There is nothing more dishonoring to a parent than a child who causes their parents pain and heartache and grief. Nothing that's more dishonoring to them. What honors our parents is when we obey them. What honors our parents is when we do 
what God has commanded us to do. And we don't do it because we're forced to do it. We don't do it because we're demanded to do it. We do it out of willing submission. And you can only willingly submit when Jesus is Lord of your life and you are full of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Am I making any sense here this morning? I tell you in a way, I feel like I'm preaching to a church full of Auburn fans today. If I can preach it being one, you can respond being one or not being one. And then he finally ends this by giving us a word to parents. In this three-ring circus, who is the ringmaster? And he says to the parents, he says, fathers, and really what he's referring to here is parents. He's referring to both parents, not just the father. This is not just the responsibility of the father. This is the responsibility of parents. And he says, Parents, do not provoke your children to anger by the way that you treat them. Do you see how this submission thing has to work in every relationship in the home? Because what you've got to learn to do, parents, with your kids is you've got to learn to submit to God's plan for their life. To God's purpose for their life. That word provoke is a word that means to get behind and push. And I think sometimes we have standards and expectations on our kids that God never intended for their life. And we're trying to push them into doing something they were never called to do or push them into being someone they were never called to be. Push. But notice, he said, don't provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up. Don't push them. Listen, this is important. Don't push them. Pull them. Pull them. The word submit means to get under and lift up. We want to we pull our kids to us. We don't want to push our kids away from us. We want to pull them to us. And he says this, he said, don't provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Don't cause them to be angry. Don't cause them to be bitter. Don't cause them to be resentful because you've put standards on them. Or you've put expectations on them that God doesn't intend for their life. You're trying to put Saul's armor on a David and it just doesn't work. And so he says, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Now I want you to notice that every one of these, wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. And now parents, don't provoke, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord that comes, what, from the Lord. It's all about the Lordship of Christ. It's all about doing what Jesus wants us to do. And we cannot do it without the help of the Holy Spirit. And so when I bring my children up in the discipline and when I bring them up in the instruction of the Lord, here's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying my very best to guide them to God's Word and to teach them what God's Word says. That this is how you're supposed to live your life. This is how you're supposed to respond to temptation. This is how you grow in your relationship with Christ. And discipline and we have to be very careful about this because God, when He disciplines us, God always has a positive purpose in mind. 
And that is he's wanting us to be more like him and more like our father. And that's the way it should be with our children. Our discipline should have a purpose. And that purpose should be to help our children be more like Jesus. And we can do it with the help of Holy Spirit. Would you stand with me this morning? When I think about a ring master, I think about when the scripture refers to Jesus as the cornerstone. And you know what a cornerstone of a house is? The cornerstone of a building, it's what holds everything together. It's what brings order to the chaos. And Jesus is the cornerstone. He must be the cornerstone of your life. He must be the cornerstone of your marriage. He must be the cornerstone of your family. I want you just to close your eyes for a moment. And if you're here this morning, maybe you would say, Pastor, I have experienced Jesus as Savior. I've asked Him to forgive me of my sins. And I've become a believer. I've become a Christian. But, Pastor, I've been wondering, why is my life still out of order? Why is my marriage still out of order? Why is my family still out of order? And maybe it's because you've not submitted to the Lordship of Jesus. That you have resigned as the king of your domain and Jesus is the king of your domain. And so I want you right now, right where you stand. And if you're beside your spouse, if you're beside your wife, if, even if your children are close by, I want you to reach over and I want you to take them by the hand. Just take them by the hand. And say, Jesus we declare you Lord over our marriage. We declare you Lord over our family. It's not about what we want. It's all about what you want. So Lord, may what you want be what we want. May we desire what you desire. And Father, I pray that you will fill me with your Holy Spirit and enable me and empower me to be the man, the woman, the husband, the wife, the parent, the father, the mother, the child that I need to be. I submit to you today, Lord, because I know that until I submit to you, that I can't submit to anyone else. So we submit to your Lordship today, Jesus, and we lean into the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit to enable us. Lord, may we not walk out of here today and put culture and political correctness above what your word says. We've heard what your word says this morning and your word will be our standard. Your word will be our guide. Your word will direct us. And if we will build our lives on your word, our marriages on your word, Lord, our families on your word, then we will be able to stand strong regardless of what storm we may face. In Jesus' name, would you declare that he is Lord. Well, I hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. We here at Summerton Church of God believe that God is a God who still does miracles. And we're seeing it on a weekly basis. 
People's lives being transformed by the power of God, being saved, healed, and delivered for the glory of God. And we want you to experience for yourself. So why don't you come and be our guest one Sunday here at Summerton Church of God. I look forward to personally meeting you.